Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast. I nearly forgot my name, but luckily I just remembered that my name is indeed Chris and I am your host as per usual. This week we have um, plenty of things to discuss, not least a couple of bangers. So I shall waste no time and introduce my guests for the pod as always. I have got in the red corner, Miss Phil. Phil, how are you doing? I am fine. I am indeed wearing red. So, Are you? That, yeah. that, it's almost like we planned that, but I can 100% yeah, sure it's you a, it's, a, it's a red cardigan with a hood and cat ears. Excellent. Now there's a visual for every listener out there. Fantastic stuff. Uh, I'm going to take a shot at uh, in the blue corner. Uh, it's Mr. Jeremy Smith. Jez, am I anywhere close with blue? Um, wearing blue trousers. That's fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. There we go. That's, that's absolutely fine with me. Uh, good evening to you. And uh, rounding off the, uh, the the foursome of of, uh, of doom, I'm going to call it that. Rich, I'm going to go with yellow corner. Anything yellow? God no. Oh, you could have at least lied. You know, you could have said no. you're wearing like a full yellow outfit or something. Blue shorts, blue t-shirt. Oh, so even if I'd have gone with like generic green corner, I still would have been wrong. So, oh, well, there's always one lets the side down. Never mind. Right. Let's get into the meat and bones of this week's podcast. Then, as usual, uh, let's run down the scores on the doors first of all. And then we've got a couple of games that we're going to focus on for our discussion points. So weekend got off to a bit of a bang. If you are Monsieur Gaultier, as Nice beats Etienne by three goals to nil. Um, these are Saturday games, by the way. And then we had a program on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, Guiri once again on the score sheet for Nice, as was Calvin Stengs for the first time. And uh, Andy Delore, uh, be still, Phil's beating hearts. Comfortable win that for Nice. We will talk a little bit more about that game in a short while. Uh, Lille got a very much needed win away at Strasbourg. Jonathan David with a couple of goals there, one from the penalty spot before Sissoko pulled one back and Adrian Thomason kind of killed any chance of Strasbourg's comeback as he was sent off on the 79th minute. And uh, if you've seen that challenge, I think it's fair to say that was a very justified red card. Pretty horrible challenge. I don't think there was any intent, but high and, yeah, just very poor. Um, speaking of red cards, there was one in the Leon Lorient game. Of course, as far as I'm concerned, it was absolutely fully justified. Maybe I'm slightly stretching the truth there. It was a slightly suspect red card, I think it's fair to say. Although, having, well, having watched it back, I can kind of see why it was given. I think it's harsh. Because <laughs> of the three other defenders in between him and the goal. I'm not convinced any of them are catching him. I've got to be honest. Uh, I think I think there's more questionable about the fact that Enzo Lefebvre maybe didn't have full control of the ball. But I think if he does get away... I think he's through. I don't think those other three are getting back, but that's just me. Um, irrespective, though, Leon did manage to uh, to grind out a draw. Uh, Armand Loriente with a wonderful free kick to put Loriente in front. That seems to be his thing. Just uh, taking about ten meters ahead of where the foul was. Shush, Jess. Don't don't upset me. All right, I'm 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 clinging on to these happy results, and I'm clinging on to this brilliant start. Don't don't loosen my fireworks. Uh, but yes, it's slightly suspicious in his placement, but nevertheless, a very good strike. And uh, speaking of good strikes, to be fair, Kartoko and Kambezi Kualaisa was also very well taken. Um, sorry, Leon fans, maybe close your ears. 
I did enjoy uh, Monsieur Olas celebrating the goal that never was in the 93rd minute. That did make me smile. Uh, he's sort of all up in it. And then he kind of turns around to go, oh, actually, it's not a goal. And had to look rather sheepish. Sorry, those little things make me smile. Uh, that ended one all. Um, Phil probably was not smiling on Saturday night as Montpellier succumbed to PSG by two goals to nil. Very oh. weird game, though, I think. I think Omlin was good and the first goal was like, yeah, whatever. But again, conceding in, what was it, Dracula scored in the 89th minute? I saw your your tweet. (laughs) It was like literally as you tweeted it. The ball hit the net and then you were back again going, oh, there we go again. Uh, yeah, Draxler um, adding Idrissa Gay's opener was a, as an absolute banger. I don't think any keeper was saving that, but passed on him before he even had a chance to see it. Um, and then, yeah, Draxler coming on with his very first touch. I, thought, well, I think he had two touches and the second was to put the ball in the net. So inspired substitution. Uh, Messi loves in this particular game. Uh, he's still a doubt for the midweek game as well. Um, PSG did enough, but um, still not convinced. Eight from eight for them, nevertheless. You claim um, they were Mbappe less in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, um, we're not really going to talk too much PSG tonight, other than the preview of the Champions League. But yeah, certainly some more uh, interesting headlines made by by one French striker in that particular game. Absolutely, we're going to focus on Bordeaux Rennes a little bit more in a moment. So just to say, it ended in a one one draw. Gaetan Laborde against his former side, uh, equalised by Mexa against. His former side, the battle of the former side derby there. Uh, it ended 1-1. As I say, we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, Metz got a win. I'm sure Jez was delighted with this. Uh, Nicolas de Preville. It's his first goal, isn't it, for Metz, I believe, since signing yeah. in the 26th minute. Glad I got that right. Uh, Roman Fever, who else equalised for Brest before Fabian Sentons got his uh, second goal of the season from fullback. This is becoming a regular Third, thing now. Third, no, you're absolutely right, because he got two, didn't he, previously? So uh, a good win that for Mets, and um, fair to say much needed, Jez? Yeah, definitely much needed. First win of the season, and I think now it's only Brest and Saint-Etienne that are winless. So, yeah, right. had they lost yesterday against one of their direct rivals, they'd have been pretty cut off. But um, yeah. Yeah, much needed, not necessarily deserved. But then last week, they had a certain defeat that wasn't deserved either. So, Yeah, you, you take them, don't you? At the end of the day, however they come, with that first win, you just take it to get get moving in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, important win that for Brest. Uh, speaking of important wins, a good win for, for Rams as well against Nantes. Uh, Thomas Fouquet with the opener. Moses Simon with a, a rather clever individual goal to equalise for Nantes before uh, Ekit... I can never say this guy's name. Etike. Thank you very much. I always want to say Ikite, and it's not. It's the other way around. Etike with a double. Um, Apparently the third ever Liga goal scorer whose name is a palindrome. Now that's a stat. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you find that one? Is that is that off? Is that off a? It isn't. I can't remember. I'm not sure. That must have been a tweet somewhere. Etike and Ekite are not. Ekitike. Ekiti, that's it. Ekitike. It? There's an extra I, yeah. Ekitike, yeah. Oh, shit, I wrote that down. <laughs> E-K-I-T-I-K-E. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> two two excellent goals from the young young uh, Rams um, midfield forward, I suppose you call him. And that got the points for Rams in that particular game. Uh, Toi and Angers ended in a one-all draw. Not really a result that helps either side at this particular stage. Mama Belde with the opener for Toi for Tom and Mangani. 
uh, equalised and uh, Gourdon was sent off for Twite in the last minute. I think I'm right in saying there was a goal ruled out in stoppage time in this particular mm. game for Twite. Uh, Jez, was that you made the noise there? Did you see this? Uh, well, oh, it's rich, I, I saw it. It's, it's another one that it's just horrible. Horrible if it goes against you. Wonderful if it goes for you. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I saw sort of the goal update, but I didn't get a chance to, to sort of see it back in, in real time. So a 1-1 draw, it ended. Uh, good result Sorry, from Monaco. I was distracted. Apparently he's the second ever palindrome. Sorry. Yes. Goodness. But don't let us down with these stats. Goodness me. That's still impressive. Who was the first? Can you name the first? Yeah, of course. It was Hassan Ala for Le Havre in December 2008. Oh, naturally. It was on the tip of my tongue. I just wanted to hear it from you, honestly. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, speaking of good stuff, a good win for Monaco. Much, probably much needed again for Nico Kovac's men. They came from behind to beat Claremont. Uh, Bio had put the home side in front before we said Ben Yedda. Not from the penalty spot this week. Uh, got the equaliser, Kevin Volland, adding to his first goal of the season last weekend. And Sofian Diop continues uh, his impressive performances with a goal late on to secure the win. And finally, and this is where we're going to start our, our kind of uh, roundup with a little bit more in-depth look. And we're going to talk Marseille 2, Lance 3. Jess, I'm going to come to you first of all, because you, like me, uh, I'm going to give you more credit than, than I would. Um, we, I think we both had a, an opinion pre-season about one certain Polish uh, sort of wide player. I will confess, I didn't think he'd be as much of a hit as he has been, but I liked what I saw when he was at Chicago Fire. I'm talking, of course, about Frankowski. He scored one of Lance's three goals, uh, Florence Atoka, from the penalty spot, despite uh, regular use of laser penage in that particular game. And uh, Saeed with the winner. It's just shocking, considering that you know all we've heard recently is how good Marseille fans are compared to Nice and... Yeah, I did think that was a little bit rich. <laughs> Say fans coming out with that one, but um, yeah, I, I want to. I really want to give Lon some love, which I know is maybe not your favourite thing to do, but uh, maybe I'll let I'll let Rich and Phil give them a little bit more love. But we, I do want to talk Frankowski because this is this is a lad who you know he went to MLS having had. I, th- I think I think he's fair to say he, he can't. He's one of those players that, that went to that went to MLS to rebuild his career rather than kind of start it. Largely unknown club in in Poland up until that move to Chicago Fire. He um, he impressed in his in his three years there or just under three years. He got the move to Lens. He's twenty six years of age. That goal in particular, though, in this this game just a, a staple of, of how good a player he is. You made that statement of you think he'd be signing of the season. A performance like last night only goes to concrete that a little further. What is it you'd like about his his play? I just I think he's the perfect balance to to Jonathan Klaus on the other side, and it just seems made for that sort of wing back role. Um, I think already this season he's got two goals and either three or four assists, um, and just again provides a little bit of defensive solidity. It doesn't seem to be his his kind of main job at last but what he provides going forwards in terms of just forward thrust his crossing ability and obviously as we as we very much saw yesterday his finishing as well is just fantastic and and what was also more impressive yesterday was that he he started the match on on the wrong side um up till now he's only been, he's been uh uh playing off the off the left 
um, or maybe the left side is the wrong side, sorry. But either way, it shows that he's he's sort of very versatile and can be equally effective um, on, on both sides. And yeah, I know you follow MLS a lot more than me. So you, you know more about, you'll have seen more of him than me, but certainly, you know, amongst all the sort of hugely heralded names that, that were sort of transferred all over the place in Ligue 1, his, his one went very much under the radar. But I just, the speed with which he's settled and then also um, just what he's doing for last, what he's adding to, to the team and, and, you know, fitting perfectly into their style of play has just been brilliant. Mm, yeah, I do I do agree with that. And as I say, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I saw it coming because uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't think he'd be as good as he has been. But what I what I really liked about him at Chicago is he he strikes me as sort of a player who just always wants the ball, uh, and he was also very he was very happy to switch sides in Chicago as well. And, and albeit you have to caveat it slightly, you know it's it's not the highest level of, of league. It has to be said, but he um he really transformed both wings when he played for Chicago, and he even played as a, a centre forward kind of in the ten role as well. So yeah, really really pleased to to see how well he's doing. Um, Rich, so that I don't have to make Jez feel physically sick, I want you to uh, maybe give Lons a little bit of love. We'll, we'll touch on Marseille a little as well. But um, Lons, first of all, because we always talk about the big clubs. I mean, the, the job that Frank Ez is, is doing there, it, it's quite something. They're up to second in the table now. Only PSG and, and all that, that goes with them are, are above them. They had a brilliant season last year as well, only just missed out on Europe. It is quite a job, isn't it? Considering they were promoted literally eighteen months ago, it's quite the quite the ability of of a coach that he is, and, and quite the um quite the skill set that he's got to to get what is a decent squad, but it's not anything better than a decent squad, in, in my opinion. So, what is the key? Do you think that that's got his long side playing so well? Well, it, it it comes down to when you get that combination of a coach and a squad just all on the same sheet all working together um everybody knows their role i mean the system that longs play it feels like it hasn't changed for a number of seasons now so everybody knows what they're doing they don't have wholesale changes they'll have key players picked off and um see like Bardé was was one of the bigger ones that was was um, sold in the summer but players come in there's a really nice blend of, of young exciting players really well experienced players um, it's nothing flashy but it, it, it it's just all about a solid squad working together um, and you could probably take some of what we saw that Christophe Galtier got with the Lille team last season um, and probably season before, actually, but notably last season. There's some of what, what Galtier had harnessed and created there you can see in this Lance squad and the unit um, in so much as, as individually there is not a single player, arguably, that you'd be like, whoa, amazing. What you've actually got is just a really, really hardworking team that know what they need to do. You know, there, there's there's nothing, I don't think there's anything particularly flashy about Lots. They're just a very, very um, hardworking team. Um, and that 
you know that 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 seems to work you know there's it, it doesn't matter that there's no standout if they're all working together they're all understanding of what the coach wants from them you know and they're going out and performing we've seen it with a number of teams over different uh, different seasons that they are together worth more than the sum of their parts kind of thing. you know the, the the squad as a whole far exceeds the need for any flashy player and in actual fact if you put an incredibly flashy player in that launch team it probably wouldn't work but it's it's just a it's a credit to hard work organization um and and that sort of harmonious um atmosphere that's generated from that yeah yeah well so like you say sometimes a certain squad just has a togetherness so i look at kind of a I don't know, like a, to use an English example, a team like a Brentford, for example, that, you know, gets promoted and then you look at and you go, there's just a, an energy and a, a desire about them and, and teamwork sort of pays off with a few moments of quality. If you haven't seen that uh, Frankowski goal, by the way, do look it up. It's a, it's one of those that just looks beautiful, especially from behind the goal. Um, quick, uh, quick question for all of you, because I don't know the answer to this myself and I could Google it, but I'm just going to ask it straight out. Jonathan Varan, is that the brother of in the Lons midfield? Um, I'm going to have to Google it. I want to say yes. I I I just assume I've read something. Yeah, because obviously his brother came through came through it at uh, at Lons. I'm just I'm probably going to be proved completely wrong. Half brother, it says here. Half brother. Okay, interesting. Uh, Yeah, there you go. So what do what do you know? What do you know? Um, Phil, I know you didn't get a chance to see this game, but uh, I just wanted to ask you about uh, sort of Marseille, just just as an overview, really. Um, Last night struck me as one of those games that is kind of one of those one of those games that maybe people then start pointing the finger going, aha, is is this the real Marseille? They, they did really well to battle back from 2-0 from down and uh, Dimitri Payo was scoring with a, a free kick and a penalty. And at that point, I think it, most people probably would have looked at it and saw, thought there's only one winner here. But then, unfortunately, defensive errors really cost them again. It is a good finish for the winner from Saeed, but not the best defending in the world. I guess the straightforward question to ask you then is, is this the wheels coming off already? Or well, no, it, bear in mind they're a game behind because sure. we still need the Nice-Marseille match to be replayed, which God knows when that's happening. Mm. So they're third, despite being a game behind. So I don't see this as a particular problem. Um, they have looked a bit more lively, a bit more organised this season than last season and you know they I wouldn't necessarily expect them to win uh, the game in hand they've got but that does put a bit of extra kind of uh, perspective on that so I think I think they're fine we'll have to wait until Christmas to see if the, the wheels properly come off um but at the moment looks looks okay yeah it's just a small blip really isn't it? if you look at the last three results the draw in, in moscow and draw away to angers and then obviously this defeat is just a little bit uh 
little bit sort of eyebrow raising, but I, I still think under San Pauli there. Yeah, well, know. I think we'll come on to the uh, upcoming European fixtures later. We certainly um, will. <clears throat> I don't think they're weak getting any better. No, it could be an interesting game on Thursday, which we will come on to. Uh, yeah, I, I think Marseille, I think we said it in pre-season and we've been proven right so far. They're going to score a lot of goals. They're going to concede a lot of goals. That's just the way it is. Um, quick update, by the way, uh, Jonathan Varane is indeed the brother of Raphael Varane. So there you go. Just had it oh, confirmed. Half, sorry, half brother. Yes, you're absolutely right. Kid brother, as it's described on this website. Love that. Um, anyway, moving on from uh, siblings, let's uh, let's talk about our next game. Um, Jez, I will come back to you to, to start this one. Uh, and um, I say this one, I haven't even said the game. St Etienne nil, Nice 3. Uh, again, I'm sort of going to come from the slightly negative before we lead into the positive. St Etienne, what's, um, what's your kind of thoughts on, on them at the moment? Because they currently lie bottom of, of Ligue 1. Uh, no wins, three draws, five defeats, a minus 10 goal difference. You, you look at the squad and, you know, to me, I think it's brave. They're obviously sticking with the project use and they're, they're trying to sort of splice in a couple of, I guess you'd sort of say battle-hardened veterans, you know, Wabi Kasri being being one of them who's leading the line. Um, you know, we had Budaboo's there at 31 years of age. I just, and Roman Hamuma, of course, at 34, I, I just kind of wonder... Is this kind of end game for Corporal at the moment, or does he have a bit of credit on his side? Because this can't go on, can it? That they can't just continue to keep hemorrhaging these results. I mean, this isn't a defeat. This is a they were taken apart by Nice. It could have been a lot more. And they just, to me, they don't really have a goal scorer. And if you aren't scoring goals and you're conceding a lot, it's only going to end one way. What's your kind of thoughts about them at the moment? Um, to, to be fair, like every every time I've seen sort of bits of their matches this season. I don't think it's been the the sort of worst performances in the world, but it's just that, as you said, sort of mistakes one end and not being able to finish at the other really, really hurts you. And I think that the attacking thing really is an issue. As you said, you're, wait, you're sort of relying a lot on three players who are past their best, who are mercurial at their best anyway, which is a bit risky. You know, they started with Crasso up front, at the weekend, who was a, a sort of real punt taken out of, I think, maybe the, the National last year and hasn't really, so I'm not even sure if he scored for Saint-Étienne yet, but certainly hasn't kind of cemented his place or suggested in any way that that, that was, um, you know, a, a good signing. Um, the goals is an issue. And, you know, even if you look at the other end of the pitch, Etienne Green, who looked so good when he came in last year, started the season OK, got himself sent off last week. Bajic, I thought, made two or three fantastic saves um, mm. during the match and then and then made a, a big mistake as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's as you said, it's brave. I think there really is some talent in there, but it just still feels, but we've been saying that for like a couple of years now and it still feels that we're sort of more often than not relying on Buanga to do something special to, to pull them out of the fire. And, and you can only do that for so long. Um, I think um, I think Puel, the thing is he's, he's kind of now also a director of a club, which pro- possibly not gives him more credit, but sort of maybe gives him a little bit more, more time to stay than other coaches would have. 
but I think next week it's the it's the derby on the horizon, yeah. and and if that goes badly, then it's it's difficult to see how he can stay. Yeah. Um, do you I see think... him? Do you see him walking away? Like, do you see the situation where he could walk away? Because obviously, like you said, he is invested in the club. Is it a case where he might swallow his pride and sort of say, actually, you know, I'm I'm going to walk away to give the club an opportunity to to do something different? Uh. Yeah, I mean, maybe it'd be one of those ones where he's allowed to kind of walk away just to, you know, save in the embarrassment of being fired or something. But yeah. the other thing is, again, like who's going to take that job, which which top managers are available and who's going to want the job? That's my next question. <laughs> yeah, but you're well, absolutely yeah, right. Because we saw as um, Sartesian came off of the pitch, there was loud whistling mm. and... Obviously, the fans are not happy. And as Jess says, with the derby coming up at the weekend, which you can't see working out well for Saint-Étienne, it's only going to get worse. And a derby loss at the Joffrey Gichard, I mean, that whistling could become pyro and be very, very awkward. And I think that's a problem. I think the the situation where we've still got, is this takeover going anywhere? Because I mean, who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it does, that might, you know, engender some form of uh, you know, reaction. But if it's just going to be that this drags on, nobody's going to be happy with that. So it's a very awkward situation for them, I mm. think, at this point, and not looking to get any better um, in the upcoming fixtures. No, I think that this was this is the first match I think where you can say they were sort of truly smashed. Even Monaco three one the other day, they were they were really unlucky. Like they hit the woodwork three times. Like I said, I think you know. Green got sent off, which obviously changes things as well. Mm. Um, so they were the better side for twenty minutes of that game. I thought until the sending off, I thought they were the better side in, in Monaco as well, which is even more strange, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that they're sort of almost there. I mean, not almost, you know, almost on the way to anything special, but I don't think they're as bad as their their position and winlessness suggests. Mm-hmm. No, no, I think that's 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 fair fair comment, as you say. I, the, the, the derby next week, which we will we'll sort of preview briefly before the end of the pod. Um, yeah, I think that it's a bit of a worry as it's heading into sacking season, i.e. the second international break. But um, somebody that certainly isn't going to be sacked, Rich, is, is uh, Christophe Galtier. We should just touch on these. They had the, the sort of the brief um, uh, bump in the road, I guess, losing to France's number one side uh, in, in midweek last week. <laughs> but... Uh, they're back on track, basically, with this win, aren't they? They looked impressive. They looked fluid. Um, I mean, Guerrius just continues to to uh, kind of rub Leon's face in, in it. Uh, Calvin Stang's got his first goal for the club. I thought he looked really good. And, and Andy Delore is just that sort of striker that no matter what position you put him in, he's probably going to end up getting you 10, 15 goals a season on, on, a, on a good season. So do you do you sort of feel like Nice are, are one of those clubs in the clutch that are going to, going to push for those Champions League spots this season? You sort of have been quite impressed with what you've seen so far. Um, yeah, I think I think, I think think they'll definitely be within a strong shout for Champions League spot, if if only because 
I think far more teams are far more inconsistent. Mm. Yes, it was a it was a um, a blip um, in in that loss to Lorient, but I just feel that the way this Nice team is progressing, there will be. I mean, we've seen it for a couple of seasons with Nice now, but there will be the odd game. But those odd games are going to become um, few and far between. I think going forward, I think we would start. We will start to see this Nice team create the consistency that, you know, all you need is that consistency and all of a sudden you're in a pretty strong place in this league at the moment, it seems. Mm. Um, the Delors signing, I think, it's a terrific signing. Um, as you say, he, he just he just seems to get goals now. He's It's perhaps taken him a little while, but we've now got the Andy Delors that seems a little bit more Mature, I think, is probably the word. He, it feels like finally, long overdue. You, some would say, he's he's grown up. Um, that's not to say he's still that wild side isn't in there somewhere, but it seems as though he's he is happy to take on a more senior role within a team. That was certainly what we saw um, at Montpellier, and I think we're starting to see already within this Nice team. Um, and and it's it's just a squad I think that ticks a lot of boxes um, in this league. Again, you know we've got the experience, we've got the you know established names, we've got the really exciting, talented young players coming through. We've got probably the best coach in France. I don't think there's much much doubt on that. But so there's there's a lot in place now, um, and. I think ever since the takeover happened, we've we've got that feeling that for a long time now, Nice are a I don't know if I want to say giant in the making, but certainly a significant player within the league in the making. You know, we know geographically they've got everything that can attract anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who who doesn't want to live down there? They've got the facilities. They've now got the money to back them up. They've got the infrastructure. They, they've very good squad. They've got the coach. Um, they've got a great academy that can bring young players through. There's, there's pretty much everything there now. Um, that There is no reason, really, why they shouldn't be firm, firm favourites for that, that second place. Mm. Um, and so it's it's just really now I think just down to making sure that that Galtier keeps that tight ship, and I have no no reason to doubt that he won't. Um, and the players can respond accordingly. So I think it's exciting times if you're a Nice fan. It's exciting, I suppose, to see a quote unquote new name um, sort of taking some of the limelight, and I think more and more of that limelight will come their way um, if they continue playing as they have played for the majority of the season so far. Um, They're just, yeah, they're just an exciting team to watch. Galtier is Galtier. I mean, you could put any old dross on the pitch and just watch him. I think that's, that's what most of us did when he was at Santetienne, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's just, you know, the only sour note with them has just been their, 
you know, behaviour of some of their fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, can't have it all. No, no, true. And Brexit owner. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, that's that, that as well. Yeah, I do. I do wonder what the ceiling is for Nice because there is a lot of money behind them. I do feel like you know, one season getting into the Champions League would be fantastic. But then you'd have to think that they they would want to push on and maybe by getting Galtier, the thought process is, could they get a coach who could just do do it with, with Nice as he did with Lille and, and go again? I guess we will soon find out. They certainly have the best kits in the league. Uh, always like to mention a kit. Anyway, moving swiftly onwards, uh, let's uh, let's have a little bit of little bit of Ren Bordeaux. Um, of course, Rich, I'll come to you in a minute. But uh, Phil, mm. I want to start with you because I saw your tweet and I thought it was kind of spot on. It was a robbery. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Mexair pulled, pulled uh, Bordeaux out of the fire. Mexair was the hero of that match. I presume he got man of the match. I didn't stick around to watch. But basically, he kept Bordeaux in it in the first half by putting his body on the line for everything. Obviously, Costil also impressive. But then to pop up with the 89th minute equaliser, it felt like, yeah, this is a Roy of the Rovers kind of story uh, because they they were being hammered badly. Halftime shots, nine to two for Wren. Five on target to zero, and they managed to hold that out. And then by the end of it, they did pick up a bit. Bordeaux picked up a bit in the second half. It ended 18-10 and 8-3. But my word, that was... I mean, I I think in one of my tweets, I put thoughts and prayers with Rich Allen because... That was, it was a robbery. Mm, yeah, and yeah. I thought the way Ren played was awesome and they were really uh, shut out by a very impressive defensive display and then lost concentration for two minutes at the end of the game and ended up giving up a point. It's like, ah! Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, go, I, to, I, go to Rich now. <laughs> uh, yeah, go, go on then, Rich. I want to. I definitely want to bring Jez in uh, on Bordeaux as well. But um, I mean, if you want to come from the Ren perspective, Rich, I mean, did it just feel like a bit of a gut punch in a game that totally dominated, and and then to um, have that happen to a degree? I mean, I'd be, I'd have probably been hurting far more if it wasn't so blatantly written written in the stars, as they say. Uh, I mean, that was you know, Costiel and Max. Uh, Certainly Mexair's best game for Bordeaux. I'd probably make a strong argument that that's one of, if not the best, performance Costile has given for Bordeaux. And, of course, it's against us. Of course it is. Um, it's It feels like it's a similar story to one we've seen before. We, we can create the chances. We just can't score the chances. Um, even the goal we scored, it was a... You know, it was a good work from Hamari Traore down the right, but it was a, I think I described it as a mishit toe poke um, from, from Gaetan Laborde. Um, so even the goal we got was a bit of a messy, almost fortuitous one. Um, like a mishit, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think 
if we could just get a 20 goal a year striker, I do think Ren could cause a lot more damage, but we're just not scoring the chances. Um, I mean, whether we've got Doku to come back, I mean, he's not really exactly proved that he's got the finishing ability. Um, and then we've got this um, Maja, the Croatian, who's still yet to make his debut. But again, he's, he's not a he's not a striker. He's not a twenty goal a season kind of player. Um, I don't know. We just we just need to take those chances. We can't keep messing things up. Um, it really annoyed me as well because the commentator about the eighty seventh minute was like, "Oh, and Red have yet to win away from." Or ran on course for their first away win of the season. I was like, you idiot. <laughs> Is it Jonathan Pierce? Unfortunately, not. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it was just so horribly inevitable, I think, that, that performance um, and then that result and certainly the way that the match finished. Mm. Um, you know, there was... I, I spoke on the last podcast that it, it was really important that Ren took something from the Claremont game. Obviously, Claremont handed them it to a degree because they were pretty poor. Um, so it was important that Wren weren't complacent, but that they certainly took some positives from it. Mm. And it seems as though they took a small number of positives. Didn't really take any... Didn't really take them all. Didn't really hold much belief. Um you know, it was pleasing to see some of the youngsters given chances again. Um, I thought Wamad Amari was was unlucky to get the deflection on that Mexa shot right at the end. Um, but I found it quite interesting that that um, he was kept in the team. Um, and look, Barde was, was left on the bench. Um I don't know. I, I, I find myself clutching at straws, really, with that kind of performance from Ren, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if, I, you know, bleeding in some of the youngsters is probably probably as about as positive as I can take from that game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've now got European match on Thursday. Um, and then some two-bit outfit at the weekend. Um, so uh, I don't know I'm waffling now because I'm struggling for anything more positive so I'm probably done on that front so probably move over to Jez who I'm sure can be delightfully positive on Bordeaux I was just going to say Jez um, let's touch on um, Bordeaux who I don't know if you're aware of this Clive Allen used to play for once upon a time Uh, (laughs) I should mention that as well Um, I mean where next Jez I guess would be my question for you Uh, I mean you know that they are above the relegation zone. Positives, I guess, but once again, one win in in eight, uh, two draws and a spin. They're sixteenth in the table. This is one of France's great historic clubs. Yada yada yada, etc. And so on. Um, I'm just I look at that Bordeaux squad now, and I I think to myself, there's more than enough talent for that squad to be comfortably in mid table, and it's just not happening. What's your kind of thought on it? In, in terms of where they go from here and what needs to change to get them up that table? 
It's one win in eight, but it's unbeaten in three. Um, True. See, there's a positive. All, I like that. Three all draw at Montpellier with at least two, possibly three, I can't remember, contenders for goal of the season. And yes, they were outplayed on, on Sunday, but they rode their luck and managed to get a draw against um, one of France's sort of regular European entrance, if you want. So there are positives to take. They had a striker. I mean, you can sort of debate whether he's any good or not, but they had a striker sitting in the stands who they just signed, ready to, to sort of add something new to them in, in, in Bainiang. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Huang has his positive moments. Um, I'm not sure I agree with you in terms of the, the quality of the squad, really. Um, I'm not sure it is a, a sort of comfortable mid-table quality squad. And I think this year is very much about sort of trying to consolidate Petkovic, sort of gradually getting putting his stamp on the team and, and um, you know, making sure they, they stay out of relegation trouble, which they may or may not do. But as, you know, as we sort of said earlier about Saint-Étienne, and, and I guess in a way... For Ren yesterday, kind of conversely, as we know, like matches supposedly are won and lost in midfield and defence, but often it's the goalkeeper or just having a, a goal scorer that, that actually wins you the matches. Costil made eight saves. He's you know he's on the team sheet just like any other player, and and um, on the balance of play, Ren deserved to win. But to be completely crass, the bottom line is you know, how many times you, you hit the back of the net. They did it once each. But looking at Mexer's face when it happened, you, you had the impression that he wanted Ren to win. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, we've all been in that position with the teams we, we, we support. And um, it, it was daylight robbery, but there is a positive that Bordeaux can take out of that in that despite being outplayed, they showed guts. They managed to to ride their luck, keep it to only one, and they managed to, to find a goal at the end of it. So there is something to to build from. And considering, as I said, in my opinion, it's not the greatest of, of teams. Um, you know, three three matches unbeaten. There are sort of gradual green shoots there, and if you can get players like. You know, Pembele, who's been, I think, really bright since he's come in, Cost still maintaining his good form. And then the odd goals from, from Huang and, and um, Niang when he comes in, then, then they should be OK. Mm. I think it's, I, I think just look at the squad. I think you probably make a fair point. Maybe it isn't, maybe I am being a bit optimistic. I just, I think what I like is the younger players in the squad. I, I quite like the look of, I guess that's where I'm coming at it. Like I, I'm a big fan of, of Sei Kumara, though I know he hasn't exactly had his, his, his pure kind of chance in the squad yet, but I like him. Um, I like sort of th- that midfield area. Um, I'm a big fan of Yassine Adli, although he blows hot and cold. Dinnerson was, was, very decent in, in the Bundesliga. Mehdi Zerkan on his day, and you mentioned Pembele. Gregerson as well has been a, sort of a, a, set, a fairly good signing. I didn't realise he was 26, actually. I thought he was a bit younger, but I quite like the look of him. But yeah, that's, that's probably fair. Maybe it is just a question of consolidating. Um, okay. I know that um, 
Chaz, you need to leave us now. So um, I just wanted to say thank you for joining us this evening. And uh, we'll be back to, uh, to speak to you again next week and hopefully um, more good news for Matt. So, uh, yeah, we will let you slip out there, Jess. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I came out with some positivity and it just feels so weird. I need to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Leave us on a positive note. That's all fine. That's all fine. Uh, yeah, thank you again, Jess. We will speak to you next week. Okay, bye. So there was, um, when it comes to the uh, matches at the weekend, there was one other in Ligue 2, mm-hmm. the Corsican derby. Yes, uh, weirdly it read my mind because I wanted to yeah. give a, a Ligue The first a, a Ligue time Ligue since 2014 they've uh, been in the same, uh, same league and so... To be clear, this is Essie Bastia and AC Ajaccio. Mm. And I think AC Ajaccio haven't won in a competitive fixture since 2008. They got a friendly win a couple of years back. We're not counting that. Yeah. Um, Bastia are way down in Ligue 2, but kept the pain going uh, with the 2-0 win. Santelli from the penalty spot and then Scherk, I think, second. Uh, there were no red cards. No. Which no. I was uh, confidently predicting to all betting friends uh, around me, but that was that was another big game at the weekend. And I think looking back over the past couple which were played at neutral venues behind closed doors, ditto both. Um, it was uh, kind of cool to see the Corsican derby back on the uh, near the top table, at least. Yeah, yeah. I um, as I say, I was gonna just just a very sort of brief overview of of league uh, um, just in terms of where we are because they are a little bit further ahead. They've most of the teams have played ten games ahead of us. There's a game tonight actually to lose against Calm. But just for those of you who uh, who are interested, uh, to lose currently top. League, uh, they nearly got promoted, of course, last year, only losing out in the playoffs. So they've um, they've won seven of their nine games to start the season. Twenty three points. Nice to see uh, uh, Sosho uh, are making a renewed, uh, re-energized approach to try and get back into league uh, league uh, this season. They are second with twenty points, um, six to two, six two and two record for them. Uh, also, similarly, you could, you could also say the same about Osea, who are third currently. They got a Jaxio, Love, Perry FC, Pau, Neil. Nîmes and Rode are up into the 10th place. And then down at the bottom, quite a sorry tale for for Nancy, of course, formerly of Liga. No wins all season for them. Four draws, six defeats. They are bottom on four points uh, with Donkirk and uh, Amiens also of Liga and Dijon also of Liga. Dijon uh, had a a three-game winning streak, but they lost the last game, so they're just outside the relegation zone. And then you've got the uh, previously mentioned Bastia, Grenoble, Gangon, Caen, Valenciennes and Kiveliron in 11th. So, um, yeah, quite a competitive league this season. Can you consider that uh, Dijon have got 10 points uh, and they, they are currently 17th? Uh, Jack, uh, sorry, Osa in third have got 19 points. Nine points between all of those clubs. Pretty competitive division. So uh, if you haven't had jumps, maybe worth taking in a couple of league games. It's quite entertaining this season. Um, shall we... Sorry, Phil, are you going to say something? I was also going to say the Coupe de France 
is yes. I've just retweeted an article if you wanted yes. to uh, let everyone know uh, they can. So the first round kicked off in August. Second and third rounds September. John Mainland is on the case, despite the fact that even the FFF doesn't have a actual calendar up for the Coupe de France at this point because it's so it. early. Uh, but yeah, so uh, check out Twitter feed for John's uh, review of the four games he's seen over the first two rounds. Um, he will be sharing more about the third round soon and the fourth round, I think, which is when National 2 comes into play, should be the first weekend in October. So we will continue, thanks to John, to be all over this situation. And then after Christmas, hopefully, taking, uh, getting previews and stuff in on all of that. But it sounds like things are slightly chaotic as we do love in the world's largest cup competition so indeed yeah i, I always imagine um, this is going to sound incredibly harsh if john's listening so i apologize in advance john but i always imagine john like having uh, like a really big overcoat on and a backpack and like sitting in bushes with binoculars at the most obscure grounds taking in sort of random teams that's, that's I how i just imagine sitting in bushes with binoculars constitutes the home end in yes of the stadia that Absolutely. john uh, goes to so there you go so that is probably quite accurate then uh, also being caught in bushes with binoculars can mean very different things um so hopefully it's the former rather than the latter um but <laughs> let's move on we uh, we did want to uh, just um in fact actually just before i move on we did want to preview the european fixtures one thing we rarely do on this pod which you know it's worthwhile doing every once in a while is just give the league standings after the the weekend's action because uh, a few people won't be aware of who sits where uh, psg are top which i know will surprise many people uh, eight wins from eight plus 15 goal difference so uh, despite not actually being very impressive they uh, they don't have to get the win so they are top as mentioned earlier on Lons are up into second on 15 points with uh, Marseille in third on 14 Nice in fourth on 13 Angers rather uh, spectacularly up into fifth at the moment as well on 13 points joined by uh, Champions League favourites Lorient in this sixth the place the only reason you wanted I mean, maybe slightly. It would have been even better had they have hung on for that uh, win at, at Lyon because they would have been second. But, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll take sixth and unbeaten in five. We, we move. Uh, Lyon, Monaco, Lille and Nantes make up the top ten. Obviously, three big clubs outside the, the top five at the moment. And then uh, moving down, we've got Rams in 11th, Strasbourg 12th, uh, Rennes in 13th. I'm sure that will change, Rich. Don't worry. Montpellier in 14th, similarly, Phil. And then Clermont, Bordeaux, Troyes, and then in the bottom three currently Mets with their win at the weekend. They're off the bottom with Brest and St Etienne uh, all the way down at the very bottom of the table. So that's where we stand in Liga. We will have a look ahead to the weekend's games in a short while. But before we do that, um, I want to just preview a couple of big games in Europe this week. Uh, Rich, you get the Champions League games. So uh, let's talk those. Strasbourg-Lille. I mean, in the nicest possible way, um, probably not the fixture of the week. Uh, I think I think it's fair to say I don't want to be harsh on any Lille fans listening in. Sorry, Gib. But uh, yeah, as yeah, Salzburg um, 
I think they're currently top, aren't they, of that group? Or no, everybody's got one point, haven't they? So it's it's kind of a free-for-all in that group. But the, the game that really does stand out is tomorrow's. What do you make of PSG Man City, Rich? I, I tweeted after the Montpellier game where PSG kind of lumbered to a you know that 2-0 win and looks rather unimpressive at times. I feel like this if there was ever a fixture where they can sort of kind of announce themselves properly it's this one if they were to win it do you fancy them at, at home to Manchester City in this particular fixture um that was a big sigh I don't know if I do you know <laughs> no. I really don't know if I do mm. they have been so lacklustre all season um Champions League supposedly where they're going to come alive. Well, that went down the Swanee uh, on match day one. Yeah. Um, I think, as I've mentioned before, Club Bruges were just, oh, I was just so impressed with the performance they put in. And then you have Man City, who 6 3, they beat Leipzig. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's. It looks like Messi's going to be back, and I think I read that Verratti might be back as well. Which is um, massive. Whether either of them start, I mean, I get the feeling that Verratti almost has to start. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I see. I don't know if I see um, PSG pulling off a win on this. Yeah. Um, especially with the sort of. Um, the performance that Man City put in at the weekend um, in their win at Chelsea. Yeah, they did look pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, I just, I, I just thought... Um, I don't know, they're just looking a bit more slick, a bit more Maybe. focused. Mm. And certainly more focused, more slick than PSG are at the moment. Mm. Um I, I mean, PSG are going to have to raise their game by several le- uh, several um, levels if yeah. they're to get anything from it, I think. And they're, they're more than capable of doing that. Christ, you look at the, squads, the squad that they can put out. Yeah. But they've had an amazing squad in the league and have done the most minimum that they could do, I think, in... Um, the vast majority of their games. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me for PSG to get a result, but uh, I'm struggling to see it. Yeah. I'm really struggling to see it. Pochettino's going to have to do something, firework up them or whatever, to, to get them clicked in. Because having dropped points in match day one, they don't necessarily want to be in the position where they've dropped points match day two as well. No. That's the key for me. I, I feel like they need to, and I, and I feel like if they're going to get a result in this game, they've got to go after City because I think I think what what Leipzig proved in that game is okay. They came away with it without winning the game, despite a ironically a, a former PSG player and Christopher Cuckoo grabbing the hat trick in that particular game. Um, he would fit quite nicely into this PSG team now. Just saying, but you know, I sort of feel like they have to go after them, and I I, I feel like the. The biggest problem PSG are going to have in Europe this season is everybody expects them to win the Champions League, don't they? That's that's the mm-hmm. that's the facts. With that squad, everyone expects them to, to win it. And uh, the one thing I would probably say is the longer they have a midfield without Verratti, um, 
And although at the time the signing I was a little bit sceptical of, I feel like they need Sergio Ramos in that back four because that defence is just so... I just can't work it out. Marquinhos is clearly head, you know, head and shoulders over everybody else. But, you know, Kerr at right back, I'm not a fan. Diaw at left back, I'm not a fan. Kimpembe, I, I really like him as a player, but he's just so erratic. You've got the goalkeepers seemingly now falling out over the place already. They they need some defensive stability. And I feel like Marquinhos and Ramos is, is the way they're going to get that. Or Marquinhos in midfield and Ramos coming in to partner Kimpembe, maybe. But seems like he's a little bit away from fitness at this stage. So uh, they need he... a performance from back. Babe. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's been overdue. I think. Do we want to very briefly mention that? I mean, that he the suggestion is from the lip reading community out there that he was moaning about Neymar not passing, which I find somewhat ironic. Um, one of the PSG followers I <laughs> follow on Twitter. Did, did tweet, I think it was four pictures from last season where Mbappe had the option to square it to a teammate, two of them being Neymar, and he refused to, and, and no goal resulted. It's a little rich, isn't it? And and I feel like, I think we well, said it last week. The Cavani situation. Well, well, yeah, this this is, that's another elephant in the room, isn't it? I mean, it, he, he just looks like a player to me who, you're seeing the same with Harry Kane, aren't you? With He didn't get his move. Mbappe just strikes me as a player who just wants to go, doesn't he? And and this is the danger when you keep hold of a player. And I I don't know. I I'm I'm so torn because I, I I genuinely love him as a footballer. I really do. But it he just has that kind of. If you put a rattle in his hand, it wouldn't go out of place, would it? It does look a bit a bit baby, doesn't it? You know, a bit big. My my hindsight scenario that I posed with Mbappe and PSG on the um, the last podcast. It's yeah. looking more and more like it's turning from hindsight into Christ, why didn't PSG do it? Why didn't they take the 200 mil off Madrid? Why didn't they then reinvest the vast majority of that into Haaland? Perhaps, Possibly because perhaps, they knew they weren't going to actually get 200 million. Well, they were going to get a promise of 200 million and the checks in the post. Yeah, I mean, but they, they, would, they would get that. I don't see anybody, I don't see a club defaulting on a transfer fee quite yet, although if any club are going to do it and get mm-hmm. away with it, Real Madrid probably are one of them. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think PSG are as, I don't know, maybe they are as silly as they look. Um, but yeah I I just think it it is hindsight but I I do think seeing how Mbappe has performed so far this season they should they they should have done the deal it can all change can't it this is the thing if he you know if he bangs in a hat trick tomorrow night no one no one's talking about the fact nobody passed him against Montpellier well of course of course you know if if you know if PSG win the Champions League this season and, and Mbappe is central to that then Mm. It's you know it's a masterstroke from El Claifi and Leonardo, but I don't know. I'm just I'm just of the I'll draw a line under it on this. I I, I just personally I, I'm a bit old school and I don't manage a football club. Obviously, um, you know even at my level I don't anymore. But uh, I've always been of the opinion if you've got a player who's making it very very clear he does not want to play for you, you just get rid because it just it just I can't think of any player that's been forced to stay or you know even give us one more year that type of scenario it, 
you, you, you just don't get the best out of them. Their mind is, it's only natural for their mind to wander elsewhere, isn't it? It's just mm. completely normal. So, yeah, I guess we shall see. Um, Phil, I just want to touch uh, a little bit on the the other side, which is where we find Europa um, League and Conference. Uh, very A very brief mention for a couple of these games, because I'm not going to go into huge depth, but um, a Vitesse against, against Rennes, which I'm sure Rich will be across, and Leon against Bromby are two of them. Um, Real Sociedad against Monaco looks a little bit tasty as well, but I think it's fair to say Marseille, Marseille versus Galatasaray. Right. Yeah, you yeah. are what correct. Could, I, what could possibly go wrong in this particular game? I, between these I particular... have, I have uh, an order in uh, for popcorn. Um, I think this could be could be very special. So. We'll wait and see. It might be an extremely polite game played in the best of circumstances and end up a very considerate 1-1 draw. I'm really hoping that isn't the case. I mean, I know we we don't like to see this in football. I want to see. There'll be a punch-up. There'll be red cards. I want to see. I want to see chaos here. This game has chaos written all over it, and we want to see. Is there or an argument? I do. Is there an argument, um, Rich? I'll ask you on this one. Is is there an argument? Yeah, because that... I'm not to be trusted. <laughs> no, I, I'm. I'm just wondering. Is there maybe an argument, Rich, that that this is? It's so hyped to be a bit of a what could be a nasty affair. You know, these two sides have got a bit of a history in Europe. I'm not so sure. I don't know whether I I can see it being chaotic on the pitch, but I'm more concerned about what might happen off it. You know, Galatasaray fans do have, whether it's it's justified or not, a bit of a history in terms of their travelling support. We all know what what Marseille are like, particularly at the Velodrome on a, a charged up evening. There's plenty of opportunity for there to be a little bit of drinky poos before the game because it's an eight o'clock kickoff uh, local time or UK time, I should say. Um, is that the bigger concern in this game, Rich? That the, the off the pitch affair, or does the off the pitch atmosphere bleed onto the pitch and therefore make it a bit of a testy affair in terms of the playing? I, surface I, well? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if any Galatasaray fans are coming over, and if so, how many. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't suspect it will be many if if there are indeed going to be any. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's it's not going to be a game that I don't think I don't see it getting out of hand. I'm hoping that the Velodrome crowd create that atmosphere that we want to see, certainly in European nights at yeah. the Velodrome, where it is incredibly intimidating because they'll sure as hell get it from wherever else they're going in the group. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that we see that. Um, I'm hoping that we continue to see the very entertaining Marseille that we have seen in the league. Yes. Um, you know, they were they were a touch unfortunate in the in the opening group game. Um I don't this this will come back to bite me. I don't think Galatasaray are anywhere near the sort of intimidating dare I say, great Galatasaray sides of years gone by. Um, so, 
there's a danger it's overhyped in so much as yeah we're going to we're going to see violence and all this that and the other i don't know if we will um of course with a certain Matthew Guendouzi on the pitch then anything is possible um but no i think i think it will be from that perspective, I think it will be relatively low-key, but I'm hoping it's going to be entertaining, and I'm certainly hoping for a very intimidating uh, velodrome crowd. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely be uh, be having a tuning in for this one on Thursday. It's certainly, uh, certainly good viewing, and I feel like with your call there, you, you've gone... Do you remember when I said uh, Monaco against Shakhtar Donetsk? I haven't been that impressed with Shakhtar and I see Monaco <laughs> going through comfortably. Yeah, that's your version of that. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. Um, certainly Marseille will want to make the Velodrome a fortress in their European games upcoming. So uh, we shall see how it shakes out next week. And um, speaking of next week, just before we go, we will have a quick look ahead to the weekend's Liga action. I believe this is the, the final week before the international break. I think I'm right in saying. Checks notes. Tariq Ted. Yes, you're absolutely right. Again? Yeah, we got yeah, no, this is the second international oh. break before Christmas. Sad times. Um, so we'll enjoy our weekend while we can. Uh, it kicks off on Friday with uh, loss against Rams. So I believe uh, Lance can, uh, if, if Lance win that, they can secure their second place for another weekend. Yes, indeed, they can. Um, so they'll be looking to do that in the home time. Uh, Montpellier against Strasbourg uh, is the four o'clock game on Saturday. Probably a, a win required in that one for your boys, Phil, as they mm-hmm. look to clamber above their opponents if they are able to get the win. Uh, nice against Brest. Uh, yes, I can hear you tittering away in the background. Nice breast. I know we've all seen the joke before, boys and girls. Uh, that is the game at 8 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Ren against PSG, as, um, as Rich mentioned earlier on, nothing to see here. I'm sure it'd be a nice, comfortable home win, right, Rich? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. I suppose it depends what happens for Man City in the week, but we shall see. If Rich isn't on next week, you know why. Uh, Auger against Mets. Uh, that'll be a tough one for Jez's boys, as we've already mentioned, Auger flying high currently. Lorient against Clermont. Uh, only one winner there at the Moustoir. Clearly a comfortable three points for Lorient. I really hope that doesn't bite me in the ass. That's also a two o'clock game on Sunday, as is Monaco against Bordeaux on paper. I think this could be the fun game to watch. Mm. It does have a little bit of a, a tasty look about it. Um, I was going to say on paper. Bordeaux will lower down, but we've seen them pushing, creating, and Monaco haven't been perfect. So I think this could be of the, is this in the multiplex? I think this could be the one. Yeah, one. it's it's one of the two o'clock games. Yeah, the the other one being Nantes against Troyes, um, which um, doesn't which, jump off the page. Yeah, but, you know, no. if if I'm being completely honest, so, yeah, I think I mean naturally I will be I'll be focusing on on Clermont, but um, yeah, Monaco Bordeaux does have a a decent ring to it, as do the the final two games of the weekend. Uh, oh. I, would, I mean, Lille Marseille at four o'clock looks tasty, and of course. The uh, the Rhone Derby Saint Etienne against Lyon is the uh, the Sunday evening game at eight o'clock. I mean that's just got so many subplots. I'm I'm very very keen on that one myself. I think those two games though are ones that if we talk classically or in previous years would have been big, and 
this time I'm not sure. I mean, Lille Marseille, okay. That could be interesting, but Lille haven't looked. They've picked up a bit, but I don't know. And Saint-Étienne and Lyon, I think this could be very, very awkward for Saint-Étienne. Yeah. Although, you know, it could be also the night that they somehow sort of rise from like Phoenix from the flames and, and turn it on. Um, Rich, am I being uh, a bit generous? In that, in well, that thought process? I mean, if, if, if there is ever a game for them to put in the best performance of the season and get the first win of the season, yeah, this is the game. Yeah. Um, you know, get the um, Jeffrey Richard as full as possible, get the crowd fully supportive. You don't want a, an ounce of whistling or booing of the home team from the home fans. They, they have to back the team. Um, and who knows? You know, we, we've seen Saint-Étienne pull it out um, of the bag in, in this particular derby. But, you know, we've also seen Leon run away with it as well. So it it's it's not going to be as easy, I think, as perhaps um, many would, would, would say going on current season form. Um, I would be very disappointed if Saint-Étienne didn't raise their game. Yeah. Um, I don't think... Leon fans have been allowed to travel for this, although I'm I don't believe so. Right. No, I, I meant to check that, I must admit, but um, I don't believe they have. No. But there's it, it's always a game to watch, there's always fire in this one, mm. um, literally. You know, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's it's still one to watch, it's still an event, um, it's still one that has the potential to go a bit crackers. Mm. Um, Again, so I'm still I'm still looking forward to it, but um, I think if it's a comfortable Leon win, then I think as, as you alluded to earlier, I think that's poor well gone. Mm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, well, I'm going to make a bold call, um, and uh, if you're a betting man or woman, don't put any money on this because I don't want you to lose your money. But uh, I'm going to have a, a sneaky couple of quid on uh, St Etienne Leon. Lille, Marseille, and Lorient Claremont all being above two and a half goals. So just, just, just going to chuck that out there. I'm not encouraging anyone to gamble. I'm just saying I, I can foresee a goal-filled Sunday afternoon. A couple of other of those games. I mean, Ren PSG might also be quite a busy one in the goals department. So mm-hmm. we shall, uh, we shall see. Uh, we'll certainly be across all of those games next week and uh, we will look forward to it then but uh, I feel we'll, we'll draw this weekend uh, or this weekend's review games to a close um, so obviously Jez had to nip up early on so my thanks once again once again to him and of course thank you Rich for your time this evening much appreciated thank you very much and indeed to yourself Phil good luck at the weekend in, uh, in the, the six pointer with Strasbourg thank you for your time thank you you're very welcome. So until next weekend, uh, maybe uh, maybe just 
maybe just tune in for that PSG game tomorrow, uh, Tuesday the 28th. Might be worth a watch. Uh, and certainly Thursday, uh, if you've got the, the relevant um, t- uh, TV channel, I believe this one is live on BT Sport. So if you are stupid like I am and you pay God knows how much a month for that particular channel and their commentators, <coughs> not all of them, just certain ones, but uh, do tune in to that because it may well be worth a watch. And before we leave you this week, a uh, little shout out for friend of the pod, uh, Mr. Angus Tarot, who um, you did a fantastic job commentating on on Nice against St. Etienne, or Nice, St. Etienne against Nice. I heard his dulcet tones in my ear. What a breath of fresh air. I'm sure Rich will agree uh, when watching UK coverage. It's always nice to hear the people who really enjoy Liga rather than those who maybe just see it as a cash cow. Anyway. Or, or, or your Michael Owen. <laughs> or your Michael Owen. Oh, do you mean the Michael Owen who watched um, Ilan Melier come through the uh, the Leeds Academy at 16 yeah. when he was in Lorient? Yeah. The very same. Yeah. What a, what a man. What a man. Anyway, uh, God bless, Michael. Uh, But until next week, thank you very much for listening. As always, do check out the article from John, which will be uh, on the feed or the main pod feed on the Twitter account. But until next week, thank you very much for tuning in. Enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.